0: Easy Curly headmate, who's ready to go? Nobody knows snow like reggae, no snow. He's ready to blow like an atomic reactor. This is the show where we call it Chill Factor. talking on the pal. Are you ready right now? There's icons galore and they're ready to chow. We got more power than a snowflower tractor. Dropping the clutch, yeah, this is Chill Factor.
1: G'day, I'm Reggae Ellis and welcome to the Chill Factor podcast presented by Swiss Tourism. Well the 2022 Australian snow season is well underway, it's the start of July, school holidays in full swing and most resorts in Australia have close to all lifts and terrain open. The good base we're enjoying right now is courtesy of uh, two good solid storms we had about a month ago. The first came through in the last week of May and that was closely followed by one a week later. Combined, those storms dropped around about 130 centimetres of snow and it was cold, dry winter snow as well. Turning on one of the best opening weekends we've seen in many years. Now, in this episode of the Chill Factor podcast, I'm catching up with one of the legends of Australian snow sports. In fact, one of the legends of snowboarding here in Australia and internationally, and I'm talking about Tora Bright. Now, Tora, of course, she grew up in the Snowy Mountains, and then she left home when she was around about 14 years old, headed to North America to train and compete, and that was the start of what has been an incredible professional career. Tora, of course, she is a three-time Olympian. She won the halfpipe Gold Medal in Vancouver, and, of course, she was silver in Sochi four years later. Since then, Tora has been focusing on filming and other projects. She's got a lot going on in her life, Not the least is her almost two year old son, Flo. Well, Tora's got a great story to tell and we've got a lot to talk about, so let's drop in. (laughs) Tora Bright, thanks for joining us here on the Chill Factor
2: podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Reggae.
1: No, it is a pleasure. I mean, you know, Chill Factor, of course, is a ski magazine, but we welcome the whole Snow family to our uh, podcast, you know, so I don't like to, and you know, you are Australia's. Well, I still think you know Australia's number one snow athlete for a long time. So, you know, I've had you uh, earmarked for an interview for for quite some time. I'm stoked to finally get it happening.
2: Yeah, thank you for uh, having a, an honorary snowboarder. I guess in a <laughs> well fact podcast, family. I do like to ski though. Just you know, putting it out there. I know.
1: Well, I had Jeremy Jones before too. So you're in good company. There we go. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: um, it's funny because when I was um. Google just doing a little bit of research, an interview popped up that says, uh, Reggae Ellis catches up with Tora Bright at Perisher. It's an so interview we did like in 2012, but unfortunately,
2: I was like, I remember it, it would have been at the bottom of the pipe in Perisher, yeah,
1: yeah, it was, yeah, like
2: yeah.
1: I, was I, remember.
2: Years ago.
1: <laughs> well, I know it's frightening, isn't crazy. it? Yeah, it is crazy. Well, you know, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, your life, it's um. It's nonstop, you know. I suppose from the time you were a kid, you know, leaving home over seasonal thirteen to this point now, in your mid-30s, you're married with a, a a young boy like Flo. Um, just right now, how is life going?
2: Oh my gosh. Life life is good. It's um let's just say motherhood um is the greatest journey yet. I yeah. love it. Um I'm you know, putting putting my all into it. And I don't know, it's like life just keeps getting better and harder in all different ways, you know. To
1: yeah, well, yeah, parenting is, is a different thing. How old is Flo now?
2: Flo well, will be two in like nearly a week or so, a little over a week.
1: Wow, moving around and I'm, yeah. I presume you're going on a snowboard every now and then, have you?
2: Yeah, he's been on his snowboard. Um, he let's just say he took to skiing a little bit better first um he loved that he he didn't even we friday flat yeah going on the little um magic carpet and he wouldn't even stop for a uh snack break he just was eating on the magic carpet we just kept going so it was pretty awesome um obviously like being a parent too, like the nostalgia is like real because I'm like, well, that's where I learnt. Here I am with my baby on the skis that I learnt on and it's just, um, it's a trip. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, well, that is a full circle. Of course, now, you know, you grew up in the Snowy Mountains, you grew up in Coomer and, and Threadbow was where you, you learned to ski. Um, that full circle, you know, like people do experience it um, down in this part of the world, Um, you know, like getting into the mountains that young, you reckon you had much choice? <sighs>
2: Um, yeah, I reckon I did. I think mum and dad did a good job of having us experience everything. But, like, but there was some draw to to the winter sports. I don't quite know what it was. But, like, once winter started, soccer, everything stopped. Yeah. Like, winter was about the mountains. And um, now I'm just like, whoa, how did my mum do it? Five kids. and. Yeah. Um, like just trying to get a toddler to the hill and however long it takes them like to get them out of the house, get them ready. And then it's like two minutes of fun and then we're done. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, how did everyone do it? (laughs) But, but yeah, I feel like it's just like, um, I don't know where, where I went to primary school. A lot of the kids didn't even, um, ski or snowboard. So it wasn't like, it was what everybody did in the region. It was, um, it was definitely uh, a special thing to be able to go and enjoy the mountains um, with my family but yeah it definitely got to a point where it was like there was no there was no sharing winter with any other sport
1: yeah yeah fair enough I mean and obviously well, you know obviously, uh, you're a three to two-time Olympian um, your sister Rowena she skied in the Olympics in you know, ski racer in Salt Lake City your brother Ben yeah professional snowboarder and, and, you know, coach. Um, your parents, are they core skiers or just recreational fun skiers? Um,
2: yeah, just recreationally, you know, fun skiers. Yep. Um, it was Dad who, uh, they're both from Sydney, but Dad had family down in the Snow Mountains and worked on a property and he learned to ski down there. And then when Mum and he met, like, Dad shared the love with Mum and then, hey. you know, I don't know, it was just... We all drink the same water, so.
1: I <laughs> think that's very true. Well, um, you know, your career, you know, obviously you started skiing, you um, moved into snowboarding. What was the thing that hooked you in with snowboarding and just kept you there?
2: Um, So I remember the day that I tried snowboarding and it was kind of funny because, you know, being the, the second youngest of five kids, you, you know, and a lot of resources were going to my older sister, Rowena, at the yeah. time who was... um. You know, pushing with um, ski racing and had big goals. And, you know, I, I wasn't really fussed. I didn't need much. And I remember the day I woke up and I was like, you know what, Mom? Don't worry about buying me a season pass. I'll just cross country ski. You know, I, I like it just as much. Don't worry. Yeah. And um, and later that day, my brother Ben had a friend who was uh, a part of the interschool of snowboarding. And he broke his arm and couldn't be his teammate's partner. And back then, you know, it's like, well, now it's teams. And so he needed somebody to fill his spot so he could compete. And then asked mum if he could learn to snowboard. And that was that. Was that. Mum was like, yep, sure. And then I begged to get a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> so I joined in on the lesson. And that was that. We were, um, you know, Front Valley Perisher, uh, yeah. learning how to ride the T-bar um snowboards for our first time and and I I really believe it was like putting that snowboard on on our feet like viewing the mountain it just opened up the possibilities to us because we were very all of us were all um kind of ski race trained um and it was you know fast and gates and technique and so putting this like thing on under our feet we just we saw the mountain totally differently and it was you know, in the first couple days that we were just like jumping off every little side hit around. And um, it was, yeah, it was more expressive. I guess no one had told us how it needed to be done. So it was really yeah. just up to us to make up our our minds and see what we wanted to see. And then, you know, as time went on, we met, um, you know, rad families with kids of kids our own age who were snowboarders, like the Craig Malinis and the Allens and, you know, so many. uh And it was just the best time ever. Yeah. So there was a lot of contributing factors to why um, snowboarding just stuck. Um, But I'd say still to this day for me, it's just that, I don't know, you can keep recreating yourself with your own skis or a snowboard and, um, yeah, it's just still that that creative um, kind of freedom expanse of do and be whoever you want to be and do. 100%
1: I percent and that sort of an expression. I think that's the, the pure fun aspect of it, why well, keeps people in it for so, such a long time, you know. It's sort of, Yeah. Once you're hooked on the mountains, you sort of, I'm looking up there now, it's like looks pretty good, you know. I've had a, had a few runs this morning. Yeah. Red it's quite nice, you know. Yeah. Um, so,
2: yeah. And, then well, and I think it. the community too. Yeah. The community is everything, you know. It's just so many, like, like-minded spirits that, um, you know, Kind of joy is their main main purpose in life, yeah. And that's what I think being in snowboarding is. It's just yeah, we're out yeah. there finding the joy.
1: <laughs> totally, totally. And like, um, you know that community, that fun with all those young kids are obviously somehow you drifted into um, competition. Do um, um, yeah. you remember when you first started getting into that?
2: <sighs> I'm like trying to think. I I'm not so sure I remember my first competition, but it was it was kind of always what we'd done whether it was netball or soccer or you know we we're always involved in the the events the competition aspect um and in skiing as well so it was you know like interschools, schools it's like such a brilliant program um to get people in at so I think it was like interschools schools that would have been um our first ones and then it was just going in all the local competitions and that's that's where it kind of that's where it it started um yeah. on the local basis you know back back then in i think it was late 90s so like 90 it was either 97 or 98 like we started at the end of the winter um and uh yeah we had like the sprite sessions uh, which was big the planet x there were so many big snowboard events um yeah, it was, guy, it was it? quite the the scene and the culture to be thrust into at a uh you Know, uh, 11 12 year old, you know, and then later joining the 24 7 tour with um, yeah. <laughs> all the all the rad uh, you know, legends now <laughs> in surf and snow and skate,
1: yeah, and well, that was full on. I mean, and like you were young, you're about 11 or 12, but you were really young when you headed overseas. Like, were you 13 or 14 when you moved, like, just went to North America to yeah. train and compete?
2: So- I recently found a picture of me. It was the morning I was going to the airport and it was, you know, taken at a friend's place in Sydney outside of, you know, the family, family Nissan Patrol. And um I it was the day before my 14th birthday. So I, I turned 14 while I was over there. Um and and looking back and now being a mom, I'm just kind of like, whoa, whoa like yeah. you're yeah. Is, yeah.
1: It, it is young, you know, like in well, how long were you away for that, time? What were the circumstances? Were you with a team or...?
2: Yeah, so I was away for, I think it was about three months in total. I did leave with my brother.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Benny and I, it was our, our first aeroplane ride. Um, <laughs> we, at the time, we had, um, what was that, Arnett and Burton and, you know, Rhythm who were supporting us and helping us um, as well. And so we had all the kit to get over there. Um, mom had organized some friends for us to stay with in, uh, we, we went to big white okay. first. And so we met some, um, the O'Donnell's, um, housed us, Ben and I in big white. And we were there for, I don't know, maybe I was there for maybe three weeks or a month. Um, before I went to Whistler on back then it was chick magazine and there was a photo shoot. I went on with, um, Linda Whitaker, Katie Brower. Oh, okay. who, who else is there? Was it Mandy Woods? I, there was like there was a crew. Yeah. And I loved Whistler so much that I didn't want to go back to Big White. Oh, right. So here I am, this 14-year-old girl figuring out how to stay in Whistler. And mum was down. Katie Brower it's- actually found me some friends of hers in Whistler where I slept on their couch. Um, and I just lived snowboarding. Everything yeah. was about snowboarding. And so I just, every day I went up the mountains, rain, hail, or shine. I joined a local program. I, you know, was, was snowboarding with, um, I guess, you know, just the, the young Whistler riders, like, you know, Mikey Rents was the main one back then, you know, that I can remember. And, and then, um, after that, I, <laughs> I, my time ran up on these friends' couch, yeah, and really. um, yeah, I was sleeping next to their uh pet lizard. Oh, nice, and <laughs> and so I wanted to stay, I didn't want to go back to Big White, so you know, um, I found another friend's couch to sleep on, but it was like a studio apartment, and <laughs> and so here I was like just sharing a bed with my other friend, um. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, it was just like the generosity and of so many people that just kept me um, safe and doing what I loved. Um, and so, you know, part of it we won, but, you know, part of it was planned. Then my brother and I met up uh, to go to Europe and we met. Um, we lived with Peter Bath for a couple of weeks where we were training with him in St. Maritz, Switzerland, and yeah. then we went on to Junior Worlds.
0: Right. Um,
2: so that was the main thing about that trip. I think we we were able to get to Junior Worlds and have that experience. So we went over a little earlier to to kind of train and feel things out. And I just did all the local contests, and then we ended up at Junior Worlds with like everyone our age, and we saw where we kind of fit into the scale of talent globally.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's I suppose that's a perfect time to do that. What discipline were you riding in?
2: Uh, I did everything there, yeah. I think. Half I border across. I don't think I did GS, actually. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, like, I mean, 14 years old, traveling like, you know, kid from Kuma. I mean, it, I suppose it teaches you a fair bit of resilience. you sort of got to become aware and, I don't know, yeah. grow up pretty yeah. quickly in some ways.
2: Totally. And I think in a way, like, when I asked mum and, and in the past, she's just kind of like, yeah, you know, teach you correct principles and you govern yourself. And that's what I totally felt like it was. Like we had a good, um, I don't know, solid just upbringing where I just, I don't know, it, it didn't feel too hard but also we weren't just left to fend for ourselves kind of thing. You know, there were people in place that that helped us and supported us and, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's been, yeah, you know, obviously well known documented. You um, you know, come from a religious family. Um how important was that, like the the Mormon faith during your, your time growing up and just stick sted- um, your know, chip, so to speak?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know <laughs> every religion I think has good uh fundamentals. Yeah. Um, there were definitely good things and bad things and um <laughs> but you know at the core of it, it's just good, good values. You know, the, the kind of family unit is, is everything at the the core of, of that religion. Um, but, you know, later as, as you become your own person, you, you take and leave what doesn't um, kind of suit you and serve you. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I just think um, we saw that as a, well, mum saw that as a good, good foundation to kind of, raise us in so yeah
1: yeah yeah and with that you know you ended up in salt lake city for a, a long time um was that yeah. the following year and you sort of like you pretty well moved overseas like when you're yeah. or something?
2: so so the next um after that first trip to um canada and europe i um everybody was telling me i just needed to be in the u.s yeah. um and so I did. I moved to Mammoth Mountain, California, wow. and lived with a family there. And I was I was overseas for most of I, I mean probably six seven months of that year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was just snowboarding. And when I arrived over there, it was just kind of you know opportune timing. Um, pretty pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh you know I had the connections with Roxy and whatnot and. I just went. I went to all the events with the Mammoth snowboard team. You know, on the snowboard team then was um, Mason Aguirre and um, Eric Jackson, and like some some big names in the industry for a while. And we were all just young, Um, and it was fun. And then of course Mammoth Mountain was like it was anyone who's anyone was there at that time. So it was like I got to see and ride with my heroes pretty much, yeah. the people I'd watch on snowboard movies. So it was it was pretty awesome. Well, that- um, but then challenging also because I was, like, you know, second time away, living with a different family, spent my first Christmas with them, you know, my birthday. My birthday is just after Christmas. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember being really, really homesick that time and just, like, having all this opportunity Um which I, you know, lapped up and said yes to everything. And, and yeah. I started podiuming on like big women's international events. Yeah. I think I got second in like the Sims, uh, world champions, big air or whatever it was back then to like yeah. hunt women. And so like things were happening, that was the year. And I just, um, there was, there was a lot of, of movement around me and, um, you know, more contracts coming and whatnot, and I was just kind of like, "Whoa, do I want this? Yeah. I think I might just want to go back to school." You know, what were you doing <laughs> it was with school? Funny to have that, yeah, experience, yeah.
1: Oh, well, lucky in hindsight, lucky you didn't do that. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but what were you doing with school at the time? You know, so, um, you know, I know it's hard to to dedicate yourself to a sport to get to the top and balance um, schoolwork at the same time when you're 15 years old.
2: Yeah. So I
0: don't want to do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My older sister, again, had paved the way. She had done um, schooling through a distance education program um, yeah. out of Caraba in mm-hmm. and uh, Sorry, I think Caraba was a school <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: in in Queen Queanbeyan. And so pretty much I just took, packets of work away so I I got through year seven I finished uh my high school certificate um with Caraba doing distance education and it was um I mean education was important and you know mum definitely emphasized that but you just had to you had to do it a different way and you know for me it was like no one was there making me get my classwork done on time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it all got crazy. done.
2: Yeah. So yeah, caraba it was, it was good. It yeah. was, uh, it allowed me to um, really realise my, my sporting goals, um, yeah. but it was challenging. Cause I would be like, it was like, it was like full-time work, whether it was, you know, people think it's work or not, but it was, you know, training, going to the competitions, um, it was, and when I wasn't training and competing, um, I was a part of, you know, global marketing campaigns and traveling yeah. around for different photo shoots and, um, and then different, um, kind of editorial things. And, um, it was, it was, it was, it was full on. Um, and so when I'd get back to Australia for the Southern hemisphere winter, I would pretty much lock myself in my room for, 12 hours a day just to catch up on classwork um yeah Yeah. and yeah it was it was pretty intense but at the same time like I actually love school I love learning if something I like I you know you can't pull me away from it I love it
1: well
0: that's good
1: (laughs) yeah can you talk to my son when you come out here and tell (laughs) him?
0: yeah yeah school's cool kids
1: (laughs) exactly um yeah we talk about um you know, marketing campaigns. You've been with Roxy for a long time. How old were you when you signed with them? Because, you know, a big brand, you know, like, you know, Quicksilver Roxy, it must have been pretty
2: Yeah. Solid. Yeah. I I mean, it was everything. I was probably 12 years old um, when I first, you know, started getting flow and, and probably not too soon after that, probably 13 when I signed my first contract with them and yeah. and they started helping me um, travel. So, yeah, and I now I'm 35. So
1: you're still with Roxy?
2: Still with Roxy, yeah.
1: It's yeah, an unusually, you know, it's a long contract, you know, and it's good, you know, there's been well-documented upheavals within the surf industry and the associated brands and snow industry like Quicksilver, yeah. Billabong, all those sort of brands. And um, I know for a period there, you know, like there was a, a bit of a cull of the um, athlete program, Um you're yeah. still there. Steph is still there, you know. They've got the two queens still happening, which is nice. Kevin <laughs> Slater out the door.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh you have to you have to be grateful for you know what what you have and the legacy you've built, I guess, on that and the support of these brands because it hasn't been easy for them and it hasn't yeah. been easy for the athletes either. You know, there's not a lot that is is aired. Yeah. Um, all these things but you know bankruptcies and um world pandemics and you know whatnot like it's it's definitely um yeah been been an interesting journey too but we've all all hung in there
1: <laughs> totally hung in and i suppose in many ways yeah you, know, you talk about like back in the, the the peak period of editorial magazines and movies i mean with um roxy's support and photo shoots you've got to ride some pretty epic stuff so like you you're snowboarding outside of the competition. You're free riding for sponsors and stuff. So it does open up some opportunity to go to some pretty amazing places.
2: Yeah, um, I would say. I mean, one of one of the trippiest places was riding in Africa. I was in Morocco, yeah, totally. <laughs> the Atlas Mountains, um, and where where else? Oh, I mean, that was one of the coolest trips ever like being down in Marrakesh immersed in that culture you know monkeys and snake tamers and the markets with the spices and then heading up to the mountains and um you know literally watching families just slip around on the snow with you know the full religious headdresses on and um and and then we get um you know a once in a decades a decade like snowstorm and there's no power and we're stuck and we're riding donkeys around in the snow. Like it's it happened.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> happened. I mean, it's amazing. Totally <laughs> yeah. Enough.
2: And then, you know, going to Antarctica, having the opportunity to go to Antarctica with a, a film I filmed uh, I guess a while ago now. It feels like it should have just been a couple of years ago, but <laughs>
1: That's the one with Jeremy Jones and Sammy Carlson. Sammy
2: Carlson, yeah.
1: Yeah, that seemed amazing. I haven't seen that yet because it was shot for
2: IMAX, right? It was shot for IMAX, um, and we we were uh, it did premiere in Melbourne. Uh, when was that? In March. Yeah. And so the with with it being IMAX, um, it's a it's not like a normal blockbuster where it's in every theater for yeah. two minutes uh, for two weeks or so. Um, each individual theatre picks the movie up, so yeah. it's been. Um, and then we we did have a a US premiere in Seattle, um, and then it was being released in LA right as the world closed down. So yeah, right. um, all theatres were closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so, yeah. So now everything's getting back up and running. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's being released um, globally now. Okay. So. It's cool to be able to share it, but yeah, you have to go to IMAX to see it in yeah. time. I think it'll be, it's pretty timeless, so it'll be cut into a you know a, a three part series yeah. or so because there's a, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of beautiful imagery and learnings along the way.
1: Yeah, How is it, uh, riding with Jeremy and um and Sammy? Oh, like, so cool. <laughs> I mean, um,
2: like Sammy. Sammy, I know from you know he competed in pipes, so we'd see each other around, um, and he was totally my pick for the scare. I'm like, Sammy's awesome, you know, and get, just getting just getting we how he works in like, like he he is like a video game. Yeah, yeah. In that country, he is like it blows my mind. He was picking out a line with these pillows, and I'm like, you're gonna get wet and do what? Like it was. <laughs> It was pretty cool. And then of course Jeremy, just the wisdom that yeah. he has in the mountains and um, you know, literally being taken and I guess the whole story behind it is me being taken under their wings and them teaching me along the way. And because I hadn't ridden Alaska uh before. So my first time riding Alaska was with Jeremy and Sam and, and, <laughs> and Yeah, yep. <laughs> and it's so it's funny like, Alaska is um you can make it as easy or as hard as you want, kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. like anywhere, um, but because it's Alaska, like it's built up in your head. And oh, and yeah. we were like, we were filming these little lines on the first day, and you know, it was it was a blind drop in. So no matter how big or small, like for somebody who's never done that stuff and being dropped at the top of we a blind drop in, like we'd picked our lines, and and Jeremy was like, yeah, you go first, Dora, and, uh, and I was like, okay, ready, and I. You know, my heart was pounding because it was my first line and da-da-da, like, uh, it was, I built it up a lot, you know. And uh, and as I'm, like, dropping over and cutting over a little bit to get to my entry point, I was like, oh, there it goes. Yeah. And then I'm, like, dropping into Jeremy's line. Uh-huh. Literally, my first <laughs> you know riding experience with this guy is i'm like literally cut his line mind yeah. you the turn the turn i did on the the little spine was one of my favorites but um <laughs> and then i'm at the bottom going uh, jeremy i i might have taken your line by accident yeah. and he didn't respond
0: oh didn't he <laughs> and
2: then i'm like and then i'm like hey jeremy just checking you know that like i i accidentally like rode the section you were gonna ride. And he goes, Yeah, I saw. I like, oh man <laughs> We've got a couple more weeks of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty mellow. He's a forgiving gentleman.
2: <laughs> he is. And luckily, you know, my choice of line wasn't anywhere near his on the, you know, the next phases we rode. So <laughs> uh,
1: bloody pipe rider,
0: I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs>
0: um,
1: well how did um you know, like all that back then as a kid and when with the Roxy and, you know, event after event, of course, so then you, um, you know, world championships, um, X Games medals and then Olympics in Turin in Italy, um, where I think you ended up, ended up fifth, which um, at the time in the snowboarding world, a lot of people couldn't understand why you didn't medal. Uh, in those first Olympics. Can you remember then? Were you disappointed <laughs> with that or just
2: going? I do. And it's funny. I literally just saw um, an old friend yesterday who, after those Olympics, threw me a party and made me a medal with truth oh, really? on it because they're like,
0: you whether it was gold,
2: gold or not, you should have had a medal. But, yeah. like, it, so that's, like, fresh in my mind, though, reminding me about that. And, um yeah I think for me, like i obviously i'm I'm competitive to a sense, but and i that de- that definitely did light a fire under me um and you know after that event, uh literally u s team coaches, everybody they're like, Tora, with that run, you're gonna win every single event this year, yeah right. and I, did. And I did. went on to win every single event for most of the next four years kind of thing yeah. so i in in hindsight, I'm like, well, yeah. I and maybe it was part of my experience too where I I stopped defining myself by my Result. accolade yeah. kind of thing and yeah. results um because it's you can you can only put your best on the line um yeah. on that day and and it's up to the judges you know and as we've watched over the last couple olympics um, skiing and snowboarding like we've just been watching going what are they thinking are you kidding me and yeah,
0: well, you know, know. We're,
2: all, we're all human we all miss things we all and it's just it's a subjective thing and unfortunately yeah it would have been nice to have a third medal yeah well, you could have gone to Cougar
1: <laughs> holes, you know down there with your medal
2: around your
0: neck <laughs> yeah
2: and even if it was bronze then I would have had a try the trifecta
0: That'd, That'd have been amazing, right. you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, how
1: old were you into that, that Olympics, two thousand and
2: seven? Um, yeah. I I know I finished school, so I was I was probably about eighteen. Eighteen, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and, and then, of course, um, you know, the gold medal uh, at yeah. the Vancouver Games. Um, I remember watching that. I was here in Threadbare. I was watching the Bistro, and you'd crashed on your first run, and I was watching your second run, and uh, with Dino, the snowmaker. And um I was so nerve-wracking watching it, which is pretty bizarre, you know. Imagine how you yeah. um going into that games, um, can you remember the pressure of that second run? Like intense, you know, you're the flag bearer for the Australian team, you know, expectations were high, because as you said, you had an incredible run of success in the lead in the years leading into those Olympics, and you were a pretty well hot favorite.
2: Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt the pressure. And I think that is kind of what contributed to uh, me having some concussions uh yeah. before the games um That's because you know awesome. my brother was my coach back then and and obviously we made a great team and creatively we were doing the right things you know we were yeah. uh, we were working hard to be um just out, my runs were different so yeah. uh pretty much at that point if i landed mm-hmm. i I podiumed. I, I won.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you guys. It's nice to
2: speak with, so confidently now. In hindsight, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> if I landed, I was the best. You yeah. know, then then I wouldn't have spoken like that. <laughs> no, you can now.
1: know, yeah. you're 35 now. You can do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was. Um, and and being Australian, you know that Aussies don't pay attention to events outside of the Olympics. So it's like the whole country is is taking every word the media writes as absolute truth, you know? And um and there's not a great understanding of of that type of thing. Um and so yeah, like I was hot favorite. I was I was winning.
0: Yeah.
2: And um yeah unfortunately like you know I wanted to leave no no stone unturned. I wanted to I wanted to to win too. So I was like I had a double that I was working on and my goal was to like put the double in that run. So if I did the double, there was like, no way that I couldn't be on the podium, like in that top position. And, you know, you just kind of have to let things go as, as you dealt the cards. Cause I, um, yeah, I, I hit my head in training and it wasn't so bad, but I did knock myself out and it was the only time I'd knocked myself out. Um, and ever, actually, I still haven't knocked myself out, even though I've had um, a really big history of concussions Absolutely. and yeah. been totally debilitated. But, um, so, yeah, I had, I think I had uh, two two or three, like, in close range. Yeah. I think I had two, two out of next Games. I think I hit my head uh, at X Games before the Olympics, took three days off, like, you know, passed all the physical tests, got my heart rate up, I was all good. but now I know I probably shouldn't have and I went back and I hit my head again and yeah, right. and so that was bad you know like even though I wasn't knocked out I just I don't remember a bunch of time and you know I was moving you know I just it was it was so it was bad and so at that time we didn't even know if I'd make it to the Olympics and yeah. I had a really great team around me then and an amazing um, kind of uh, yeah, Jess Cunningham and my chiropractor in Utah, who, um, you know, did all sorts of weird things to correct the cranial bones and you know, yeah. you know everything. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I got on that plane to Vancouver, accepting that maybe I wouldn't compete because at that point I was like, well, it doesn't matter whether they clear me or not. If I don't feel right yeah. and whole, I I just I can't I can't put myself in that position. And so, literally, I'd go up to the pipe every day for training and just go, okay, yeah, I feel okay, you know, and so most of the training was just airing, making sure that, like, I felt solid
0: yeah. and,
2: um, you know, being asked to carry the flag too was, I think it was part of, like, um, part of giving me everything I needed to just, like, I don't know, just just be there in that moment and just ride, do what I know, do what was muscle memory because, um being asked to carry the flag like it was a huge honor to me and I don't think I had ever yeah. even thought about what that meant or yeah. but it's kind of like what I needed to feel like you know the AOC believed in me you
0: know
2: yeah yeah so that was like that was huge and yeah. it's pretty funny because I remember being um you know, there's lots of rules and I might have broken a few rules when I got to the village and I got called into um, the Chef de Mission's office and I was like, oh, I'm in trouble, dang it. And he was just like, hey, we would like you to carry the flag. And I was like, oh,
0: okay, yes, please. So going to get reprimanded and you get the <laughs> yeah, big honour like, you
2: can they, as an athlete. They didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so that that was part of, like, just setting me up, I feel, like, emotionally, mentally, to do what I just know how to do physically, you know. At that point it was my full memory. I'd done everything so many times, over and over and over. Um, And my health was my priority for sure. So, And then it comes to um, contest day and, you know, I feel fine. So um, not a worry at all and... Uh, the the hard thing was like um, I qualified first into finals. And yeah. so then I was first to drop and I fall. Yeah. Um, and actually in practice, like where I fell, I think it was my switchback side seven. I couldn't, I was, my body was naturally having this progression where it was going to nine right. and I couldn't stop my body kind of thing. So that was, kind of what was happening like there was a natural progression happening um and so yeah i fall that run and i go back up top and my brother is just like wide eyes and they're kind of red and he doesn't really know what to do and everybody's looking at me going oh you got you got one more like you yeah. got this like everybody's really nervous for me because at this point like the majority of people like they they want the best person to win so i felt like a lot of people wanted me to see me put that run down and yeah, and right. have that um accolade. But um yeah, I just remember being pretty cool and like, whatever, you know, I remember having to give my brother a hug. Like well, <laughs> just just it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. It's all good. But um so yeah, I think like when you when it comes down to it, like I was just able to be just in in the moment, you know, as cliche as that is, there was there was nothing, there was no exterior mot- motives or pressures or anything that like I let burden me. I was just literally that kid who loved snowboarding and you know trying to sing and dance and and you know my my support team was there and they believed me and believed in me and I just I just did what should have been muscle memory and yes. I did.
1: And you yes. did. <laughs> you know the gold medal, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and after I mean, it's the uh, the pinnacle of many athletes' career. I mean, obviously, in sports like you know snowboarding, skiing, things like that, there's different different competitions and world cups and X Games and things that mean a lot, if not more. But what? How do you rate the um gold medal in your you know in your trophy cabinet? You
2: know? Oh my gosh, it's um, it's funny because. I actually at my home, like I've, I've given my medals to the ski museum in Threvo so that yeah. like people can actually get joy from seeing a real Olympic medal. Because yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, stuck in my sock drawer. Yeah. But um, but it's funny. Like at home, I don't have too much up. Like there's some memorabilia on the walls, yeah. but. Um, you know, I got my SB award because it's just kind of awkward. I don't know where to put that. But the only medal I have up is literally that medal that my friend made me in 2006. And that's it. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's hard, you know, like looking back, um, I don't know. It, it's definitely up there because of everything that it means and everything it represents. But, like, one of my biggest highlights in competitive, like, history would even be... um Mm, the Arctic challenge, you know, okay. that I won. I won the quarter pipe there. And I i think for me it was like literally I still watch the footage when I see the footage to this day and I'm like, oh, I was writing really good because even now I just, when I see myself like old footage, I still have this like, uh, I still critique myself and I'm like, oh, I could have been so much better. Like even now I'm like, could have been so much better. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, yeah. I judge it by like, whoa, like at that event, like I don't think I could have ridden any better. Like that was awesome.
0: <laughs> just, on, just on that time.
2: And, yeah.
1: Well, and after that, of course, yeah, you won gold, uh, the gold medal and you, I think you're pretty um, determined then to go to 2014. I mean, during that period of time, we talk about your concussions, of course, and uh, I know you had a couple during that period of time. And then, of course, you had really he- the extremely heavy thing when your friend, you know, Sarah Burke, um, Canadian free skier, half pipe skier, unfortunately injured herself in training and she passed away. I know, like, at that time, you two are close. How did you deal with that? Did you feel like just going, I'm over it, it's too dangerous? Or what, what were your thoughts? Oh,
2: dude, it was so heavy. Because um, I guess for me, like, I, I love snowboarding. I don't necessarily love competing. Yeah. Um, so after the 2010 Olympics, like, I... I just did, I think X Games that next year, or maybe I might have even taken most of the year off. Um, yeah. You know, done a US Open. I just don't quite remember. But I bought a snowmobile and I learned how to ride a snowmobile and filmed in the backcountry. Right. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, right. um, yeah. Just uh, Utah. I stayed in Utah, and it was like one of those seasons where. Um, I don't think they've had a season quite that good. Like, if you if they didn't have two feet of snow, you know, or twelve inches of snow, a foot, pretty much overnight, you'd you'd question going up oh, because right. okay,
0: yeah. you know you
2: can't. Spoiled. Yeah, you're that spoiled. So that that like filled my bucket. Um, that year was just amazing. I got to love snowboarding and kind of just. Not redefine myself, but but really got to snowboard the way the way I wanted to, and I was learning um, again. And you know, all snowboarding helps everything. Okay. You know, um, so as long as you're riding, you're, you know, your connection to your board and snow is is still there. Um, and then the next season, um, I had I'd planned to come back full um, full circuit again, and you know, this was. I think Sarah, um, oh, my, my brother actually decided that he, uh, he just needed to do something different, you know? So he had decided like kind of January, kind of midwinter
0: <laughs> that <laughs> Later.
2: We, we weren't, you know, he wasn't going to work with me and we, we were, you know, that was fully supportive of that, but it left me in the position where I was like, okay, wow. well, what do I do? Yeah. Um, because I still need, I need support at the events. I can't do it myself. No. Um and and then I was Sarah and I were both riding um, you know, with a crew at Park City. And she was just like, come, just come train with me. And yeah. and I was like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll go ride with you and train, Great. Yeah. <laughs> um and and then yeah, at this training, um uh, uh yeah she she had the accident and um it was just like uh, everybody it was it was just shocking to everybody and you know i didn't um see it but i was i was eating lunch and i saw her go by um in the bucket and just like just just everybody knew it wasn't it wasn't okay you know as we were waiting it was just yeah, too much time was passing, and oh, and then we all, you know, literally everybody just the the hospital um, gave us a whole room where you know all anybody who wanted to be there just to to support and the family, and we all just hung in the hospital for you know pretty much ten days, um, yeah, right. just waiting, praying, like being support to everybody because it was just it was it was so. Um, traumatic for for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, after that, I think, uh, yeah, it was just it was it was hard to to to. I don't think it was expected of me to continue competing, but like X Games was right there, and I think yeah. it was. I remember it being really hard to uh, to feel this pull, like going, "Oh, why well, I." I People are okay, they understand if I don't, but I'm like, well, this is my job, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah,
0: well that's
2: yeah. Yeah. And and I did turn up to X Games and I ended up um pulling out just because it, it was kind of too much. And there was just a big tribute to her. So it was like it was a beautiful thing and a good yeah. exercise to go and be with everybody and mourn. and um yeah. but yeah, it was oh I think um that year i don't know it's like we all we all realized the the risk um and you know it 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 wasn't much you know that yeah. that that accident could have happened standing in the in the lift line you know yeah, it right. it was um so it was, it was a lot to process, I guess. Um, and, yeah, that, that year was pretty much a write-off.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and I had to find ways to get back into the mountains and, and, um, and learn, learn to love it, want to love it again, I guess, because it was just so traumatic and just trying to figure out, is it, do I just need time? Is it the risk? Is it, you know, am I okay dying doing what I'm doing? Yeah. No. no.
0: You
2: know. <laughs> no. no, I yeah. want I want more life, you know, I'm not that person. Um so it took me a little bit of time to figure out for myself what what was what was right. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, you know, like you said get back into the mountains, like a step by step progress just going snowboarding without competing or training.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Rekindle and I think
2: Yeah, and to be honest, I just remember just being in in nature, too. Yeah. Like I would just, I would just get lost in nature. Nature's really healing. <laughs> yeah, 100%. yeah, with no, no ski lifts, no nothing, um, and and yeah, and and then you know, 2013 came along, and I, um, I, I think for me to go back to another Olympics in 2014, because obviously all qualification happens that next year. Um I to go back, I had to do it differently because I didn't want to go back to try and be my best, beat my best, you know. I I (laughs) needed to do it differently to be to be able to go back to an Olympics and be happy being there, you know, to to put my best out there. So it was Benny's idea.
0: (laughs) So you ended up.
2: Oh, mind you, Benny came back.
1: Oh, ben yeah, so Ben came back and he said, yeah. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's do every discipline in the Olympics except GS racing. So yeah. you can yeah. style, half pipe, um, border cross.
2: Yeah. There wasn't yeah.
1: big air at the time, you would have done that as well.
2: Yeah, I think I I don't think I would have survived. I like okay. totally I totally had like some form of chronic fatigue afterwards because it was a lot. Um silver medal though. Yeah, I got a silver medal. Half yeah. Half, yeah, yeah. I got a silver medal and to be honest looking back at that I um I don't I had I felt more connected to my board than ever. You know, in way I felt like I was riding better than ever. Um so that felt good because I was literally on snow more than I'd ever been. Well, Cuz I
1: at the Olympics you didn't I, have a day off hardly, you know. i um, you are the only one to ever compete in the three disciplines, right? Of order.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be really hard for anybody else to do it again. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> I'm surprised, you know, you have to send uh, Travis Rice a little message and say, hey, natural selection man, I've already done everything.
2: I know, I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's in the cards. We'll see. Yeah. Gotta split my video part.
0: <laughs> That's are exactly right. That'd be cool.
1: And um, yeah, with that, yeah, it's, it's silver medal and um yeah, it's pretty amazing, like you know, gold medal, half pipe, silver medal, half pipe. It's enough to go, okay, I've had a pretty good run in competition. I might just cruise and um now retire, but you contemplated it, but you didn't do it.
2: No, I didn't do it. Um to be honest, I did. I totally did retire from competition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I Hang on, We were going to go to the 2018 Olympics.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not by my own uh, my own want. You know, oh, okay. I had to just definitely balance a few things going on. Um, but yeah, by 2016, I was I was done with competition.
1: Yeah. Um. It, you know, like, and I suppose your personal life, because you know you you're, you're married to Jake Welch, right? You know, correct.
2: Yeah, so, and so that all um, and then, yeah. You know, so all that was like 2012. That all went down too. Yeah, I was I was married for a couple oh. of years. Married in 2010. Um, yeah, divorced by 2013 legally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was by um, that was part of the reason why Benny came back. I think too, like he was still coaching at that time. But I think it's um. Yeah, he definitely came back to support and get me through those next years, you know, like a good big brother does.
0: Big brother. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, well there you go. So and then after that, so 2016 you were pretty well done. Well, how did it come about that there was talk of you going to wanting to qualify for uh 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang?
2: Yeah, um I definitely uh I I was definitely done by 2016 when I um had a a concussion that completely debilitated me. Yeah, that's right. Um and um yeah like I I can't even like begin to describe like I was I was I was not a functioning human being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I looked like Tora Bright, but I was not Tora Bright. Um yeah. <laughs> So I had to like it pretty much like the journey I was on there just, um, you know, because concussion like even now, like there's a lot of information out there. Um, but, but it's still not um, it generally like people are like, ooh, that many concussions, like you're never going to be the same um, yeah. kind of thing. And so following the mainstream medical kind of route, I was definitely, um, you know, there's nothing we can do for you. Let's maybe medicate. Yeah, and yeah. I, because, you know, concussion, there's nothing physically wrong with your brain. Yeah, it's, it's about blood flow. And, I mean, there's so many different things, like to parts of the brain. But um, so it's, it's invisible. Yeah. And, um, you know, symptoms vary. Um, you can have all of them, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I went through like maybe about a year and a half, like literally, I don't think too many people would even know, you know, like I, I just, I turned up for everything I needed to do with a smile on my face, but I was dying inside (laughs) and Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it was like, you know, it was like concussion. It was total like cellular, like burnout. Like it was, nervous system was was down. Like I was a fragile human, Um, and, yeah, and so and- sorry.
1: And how did emerge? Yeah, it?
2: I um pretty much I don't take no for an answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't take kindly to someone telling me the only thing you can do is medicate because yeah,
0: right. well, medicate
2: isn't going to fix anything, no, and so definitely. um. I just, I, I pretty much had. It was like a full time job, um, finding answers and um, trial and error kind of thing. You know, I got myself to and and just like speaking to other people a lot too, um, sharing in experiences because there, are, um, there was a a body worker in. He was a cranial osteopath um, in Vancouver where. I just got on the plane, um, and you know, I spent a week with him. And after that, I was like, "It's like I, it's like everything." Um, you know, it wasn't the one thing that fixed it. I, I would say, there's probably about you know, twenty things I did. You know, it's, it was multifaceted. But like, um, he kind of got me back to to like being able to live and see like colors in a yeah. way. Wow. You know, it was like. Um, And then, and then I found a, a doctor who coached me, like he, he actually understood what was happening to the body. Like, Like um, and so he, he coached me through nutritional kind of things to heavy metal detoxes because, you know, I had MRI, um, contrast fluid, um, that I, I had a reaction to, and I, I really regressed after this MRI and you know they say the the heavy metal in the gad, the gadolinium in that MRI contrast fluid um you know you urinate it out in 24 hours it's not the case i had a heavy metal test a year later and it was still in my body you know so it was like on every level because it's like it gets stored in the brain and so i was like detoxing and chelating heavy metals and um you know to uh, different things, you know, and it was like, it was life changing. Um, just every step of the way, I just got better and better and better, but it was like, it took over my life. It was like, it was, it was a full-time job, um, to do it. And it was probably like, you know, probably uh, seven, eight months after finding, like, after getting all these body works. And I mean, I took myself to concussion boot camps where I had functional MRIs, um, before and after and in between I did um, like occupational therapies to push parts of blood to parts of the brain that weren't functioning and blah, blah, blah. And like everything I did um, helped me get, um, you know, kind of normal life back. Yeah. Um, and then this guy was kind of like the, that like I was better than I'd been in seven years. Like I was thriving. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that 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 I feel is like I put more in it you know just as much if not more energy into that to like get my health back and get my life back um just yeah. like I did with my my whole career like it was it was everything so
0: <laughs> yeah it
1: sounds like just so full on. I remember at the time how uh extreme it was but like you said people weren't aware that it was it was more oh wow well, Taurus had another concussion a bit uh,
2: yeah. that's yeah
0: <laughs> I, guys-
2: I think it's like with with concussion too it's like it it is so invisible that you almost think you're going crazy because yeah. you're like, huh? Like, mm. do I want to be like this? Am I making myself be like this? You yeah. know, because you know, in a way, the medical profession like gaslights you too. Like it's, it's so misunderstood. Yeah. Um, and you're yeah. like, oh, you're just making that, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, well, coming back from that, you know, when you felt like you were back, um, you, yeah. you, you, you your competitive drive, I mean, understandably, like, you know, after 15 years of top-level elite competition, I can totally understand why your motivation wasn't there to go to Pyeongchang. And, but did you do any events? You're toying with a couple of events leading into it that, that season.
2: Yeah, I just had to tick some boxes.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, at that point, like, I was, um, I'd committed to film projects and, yeah. you know, life life as a professional snowboarder was still going. Um, and as you can
1: without, you don't have to, like, especially after your achievements, you just not like you just have to go and, oh, I better go to the Olympics yet again, you know. I've already been there, done that, you know. <laughs> like, no, but I mean, you know, the um, as you said, film projects, um, shooting, you know, and just, just the general, you know, things like. Yeah. Um, uh, just, you know, community, you know, uh, maintaining your contact with the younger yeah. crew, I feel like you do with the um the, the mini shred here in Threadbow, you know, things like that. Um, I can see yeah. why that might be more attractive.
2: Well, and I think, you know, for me, I was, I definitely, like, I found it really hard to, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to give it 100%. So, like, yeah. yes, I could have gone to another Olympics, but I, you know, my heart wasn't there. I yeah. didn't yeah. I I I couldn't go and be my best. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely just okay, let's let's leave this now and move on. just keep pushing on. Go, yeah.
0: and like, go like- do
2: the things you've dreamt of doing. Like, um, you know, and luckily I was at that position in my career where where I could could guide it and I did have opportunity to to do other things and um and it was kind of rad too because you know the bank slalom the baker bake slalom it's you know an infamous event um yeah. in snow and my whole life I'd wanted to go and do it so finally I got to go and do the baker bake slalom yeah. I've got a you know a bronze duct tape now and so you know there were just things where it was just nice to be able to be a part of the snowboard community in a different way too because yeah. it's just always been preoccupied and yeah I think like a lot of people don't understand too that like once you're done competing it doesn't mean you're retired there are still so many other facets so it's nice to be able to put on that that hat a little bit more
1: yeah and like um I suppose now like we we mentioned before about the the mini shred um dare I say it you know you're an elder statesperson of the snowboard Australian (laughs) snowboarding world now and yeah, you know, inspiring younger kids. I mean, you know, like when you came through, there probably weren't that many opportunities, I suppose, for women in, in, you know, uh snow sports. Uh do you feel like you had to break the ceiling a little bit? Like who who did you look up to when you were a Grommet, you know?
2: I feel like I've been um, you know, I definitely came into the snowboard industry in the like the the golden years. Yeah. because um, you know, every event I remember entering for the majority of the time, like it's been equal prize money. Um really? you know, the fight was already caught before me kind of thing. So it was like it was it was the greatest time ever.
1: That's interesting because it's only happened in pro surfing, for example, I think two years ago, yeah. three years ago. So it's interesting that yeah. snowboarding had it 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, and um, you know, like even on the ski side, like Sarah Burke. It was literally for equal pay. She fought really strongly,
1: of course, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and maybe I'm, but for the, when I was at the top of my career, it was equal pay. So that's what I remember, Um, whether it was that way. And, and, you know, I know it's not that way in um, even the entry-level events yeah, You know, so, but, but for the professional um, competitive women's side, like it was the circuits I was on was, was equal. Um, so uh, yeah. And like growing up, I think I was, um, I never spent much time thinking about what a woman couldn't do or could yeah, do yeah. or was allowed to do or not do, you know? Um, and I, you know, my brother Ben wasn't that way either. The, yes, the guys but... around it wasn't that way either. You know, yeah. um, and maybe I was naive. Maybe I didn't hear it. Maybe I didn't see it. You know, I don't. I don't know. But like, literally, you know, I remember just being in Front Valley. You know, the big slopestyle courses that were made for the events there. Watching, you know, Jemima Brain. I still yeah. remember her biggest backflips. Um, over the biggest jump there and I was just like, so so many women, you know, like um, Linda Whitaker, of course, Mandy Woods, um, uh, who else, Katie Brower, like they were the girls, the older girls that like I I looked up to um, as a young little shredder. Um, you know, and then, you know, Holly Crawford, she's a little yeah. older than me and she was on the national team. And, you know, I just remember like, Ooh, so it's like, it's every, and, and even to this day, like I'm, I'm a fan of the girls I competed, I competed against, yeah. you know, I don't, I just like everybody, um, has inspired me at one point whether a competitor or, or legend. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot of them. I mean, and then now, like, um, uh, the Tour of Bright mini-shred, what's it, the 9th of July, is it? 9th of
2: July this year, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that always has a mass of kids always go up there and it's it's pretty fun. Like, it's pretty awesome how many grommets you get.
2: (laughs) It's pretty chaotic. It's awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. But um, so you're looking forward to that again? So that'll be... um,
2: Yeah, I am. It's um it's so nice to be a part of like just this, you know, fun grassroots event. Um because I think for me, you know, I've been a part of the professional snowboard circuits for so long, but um I do care about the generation coming up and you know, whether you're a professional snowboarder or skier or whether it's just you have a rad time on the weekends, like it's it's just about having joy and making new friends, um, you know, setting goals and accomplishing them. So it's like just it's it's the most beautiful thing. Like I still remember this girl from one of the first mini shreds where she was terrified to hit one of the little jumps. Yeah. And then by the end of the day, she's like, Tori, Tori, look, look. And it's just that, like, yeah. even if, I don't know, just to realise that, like, they can overcome fears and and learn new things and reach goals and you know of course like you know your kids are absolute legends coming and helping out on the day with all the kids and um yeah and and I still like I just for me it's it's such a exhausting day (laughs) but it's like it's um it's the greatest like i would i would do it for a week straight it's just so if they cute they they
1: might, might. yeah yeah someone in marketing and go oh that's a good idea
0: let's do that <laughs> yeah a week straight let's do it yeah. So, well, um,
2: yeah being able to just put on this event and just see so many stoked little kids come and you yeah. know hang and and meet meet all like local legends and yeah, got, oh, you know people who in their own sports are just on top as well yeah, um it's so it's, it's awesome yeah
0: all the all the
1: uh snow big names and olympians um yeah with uh talking about inspiring okay so we talked a little bit before about you know becoming a mother uh your son flow is now two years old nearly two um, yeah yeah during that time i was thinking um you yeah, motherhood is a time-consuming all-round thing but uh, how's that going how's your
0: you enjoying it? Obviously. Oh, I it
2: did. It's um, I can't believe it's been two years that I've been a mum. Um, it's a complete time warp. Yeah. Um and yeah, like I say, I don't I don't think anybody <laughs> that hasn't been a mother can truly understand just how consuming it is in every single way. Yeah. Um but it's like literally the the most joyous thing ever um yeah. I I love it absolutely love
1: it yeah it's an inspirational thing and I just I just flashed on something I remember you copped a bit of social media a bit of flack when you, you were breastfeeding flow while doing a headstand a yoga headstand in your backyard on the, on the northern beaches did that surprise you that was all a bit weird I thought
0: oh <laughs> well, you know I
2: have to admit like Putting yourself upside down in a headstand, you know, it's it's a bit odd if that's the way you think people actually breastfeed. No, I wasn't.
1: Yeah, um, no, I mean the reaction was weird. I know why you, you know, I wasn't surprised you were doing that by any stretch of the imagination.
2: But um, yeah, I I was a bit surprised in a way, and I had no idea it was going on for a little while because um, it was just one picture, a part of ten or something that I just wrote myself a Mother's Day post, just saying, you know how. Raw and beautiful, it motherhood is, and it wasn't the first picture that was up. So, you know, and it, and it was, uh, I think it was Body and Soul who took the picture and and said like, Superwoman hashtag mothers. One news,
0: yeah, one of the news yeah. Right?
2: So, yeah. So, it was all it was positive. You know, it wasn't yeah. like this woman's abusing her child. You know, it was. No, no, no. It was <laughs> all like positive. Yeah, but other mothers. But then it, yeah, but then it it. Um, uh, it was funny because I was at the park with a friend and she's like, oh, are you doing okay, Tora? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, you don't know? <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't, I don't know. Um, and she showed me the post and it was just like, I was just reading these comments and it was all just, you know, it was it was just people making their own story up about it. Like, yeah the fact that that's not a realistic representation of breastfeeding It's like, yeah, you're right. It's not, um, it's just showing the, the, the raw, like, n- I guess, energy and nature of motherhood that baby's going to find that nipple no matter what, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, um, and then, you know, like, uh, unrealistic body, um, images and, you know, everybody was just making it up their own way and they're all mums, Right. And, and I only made comment because I was a bit shattered because, like, like, I was like, whoa, I've entered this, like, pretty amazing club, like the motherhood club. Like, it is, like, I felt privileged to be a part of it. And, you know, everyone I was around was just cheerleaders, like, supporting you, like, encouraging you because, like, you know, your kid was up all night, every hour teething, you know, and you're just exhausted and you're just like, don't worry, don't worry, you can, you hang in there, you got it, you know. So I was just like, whoa, I've experienced nothing like this. Like it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, and when you're, when you're a mother, only you know, like just how hard it is and demanding. And, and so I was just kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Like yeah. these are all mothers. Like and, and then I just decided that I was going to call it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, which you did
2: that's when it blew up. Yeah. And um and in hindsight I'm like, you know, it definitely wasted a week of my life, you know. <laughs> Thinking that I even had to address it was just like, you know, and yeah. the talk shows that were reaching out and wanted me to like comment like it was it was all over the UK, Australia, the US. Like I did actually do TMZ and I did do, <laughs> um the Australian morning show and I felt stupid even doing it because I'm like I'm not trying to justify any of this. Like, I'm, uh, anyway, it it ended up turning into a a fun thing and the majority of people were um, just kind of like, oh, that's rad, whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. I
1: think that was so, the consensus with yeah. the majority.
2: And, and I'm just like, yeah, it's not your flavour. Fine, move on, move you on. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, uh, yeah, in hindsight, whatever, it's done now. It's yeah, a beautiful don't, don't worry
1: about it. Okay, yeah. so I reckon
2: still today, if I put in myself into a headstand, that that little kid would would find the nipple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's nature. He's on the move. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, loves movies. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, what what's the plan now? Okay, so obviously you've got projects on. Um, uh, you know, you and your husband Angus are sort of. Involved in transfer magazine with Richie or transfer with Richie Carroll, as all that kind yeah. of thing, You've got lots of stuff going on.
2: Yeah, yep. Transfer is going amazing. Um, you know, the events, the productions, the online um media house, like Richie yeah. and I guess are doing great okay. with all of that. Um, I'm waiting for the
1: version to come back.
2: You're waiting for the what?
1: The Print version to come back. Oh, I know. I told you that you got to get a snowboard print version. Come on,
2: I know. See, I I love tangible objects, like, I, I am not going to be into this NFT thing. Like, I'm just kind of like, what? So, you have this digital thing that you just hide away in a wallet and don't enjoy it. Like, I, yes, I love books and I love magazines. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe we need to do a uh, I don't know,
1: that can be done.
2: Special yeah. editorial one, yeah. but um yeah, transfers great. It's it's great to be able to like um, I don't know, just see some love being poured back into um, the Australian um, oh, and totally. New Zealand snowboarding um, you know I think we need more time in the yeah. day.
0: <laughs> but, um, it but is, um, Yeah,
2: it's exciting. Yeah, well you know,
0: <laughs>
1: about you like websites and media, like. but, yeah. Um,
2: it's good, but okay. yeah, and I'm I'm still um, doing. I'm still like working with Roxy and and Thredbo and um, we're spending a bit of time in the U.S. right now, um, which is fun. So we're just like you know drumming up some 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 ideas,
1: drumming up and some deals in L.A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: um. So yeah. Things, things are good. Things are great. You know, I'm still um, just kind of like settling here and um, finding my groove as a mum. But, you know, half of the industry is here in L.A. and Southern California, so it's kind of amazing to be reconnecting with, um, you know, old friends and industry. And, and yeah, um, but I'm back. I'm coming back. Yeah, yeah. For the winter. I've yeah. missed the amazing start, but um, I'll be back.
1: Yeah, no, I look forward to it. Um, all right, Toro I really appreciate your time. We've had a, a nice long chat. I know you've got things you, you need to do. Like,
2: the sun's going down, so I... Um...
1: I know, you can see it's got a bit darker. <laughs> I need to turn
2: a light. It's lighting.
1: Oh, <laughs> no, all good. Um, yeah, Unreal, thanks for the chat. Really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, enjoyed you,
2: you got in there. You got in there. Nice one, Reggae. Yeah, I got in there.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then I'll, um yeah, I'll see you at the uh, Torah Mini Shred.
2: Yes. I can't wait. All right.
1: You have a good one. So great, Angus. I'll talk to you soon.
2: I will. I will. See ya. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Well, that wraps up another Chill Factor podcast with thanks to Swiss Tourism. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and share it with friends. And We'll roll out another podcast in about two weeks. Until then, get out to the mountains and live and love Australian skiing. And you can find us at chillfactor.com. who's ready to go snow like snow.
0: He's ready to blow like an atomic reactor This is the show we call it Chill Factor.